Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. All right, who, uh, who woke up hungry this morning? Hands up, you woke up hungry. You know, you, you actually had something to eat and uh, even though you had something to eat when you were hungry this morning, you know if I speak for too long this morning, you know, by the end of my message, who knows, you will be hungry again. Put your hand up. Who knows that even when you, uh, you eat uh, at lunchtime today, you stop at KFC on the way home and, uh, and get a big feed or whatever it is that you, you, you get there, you know that by the time the sun goes down uh, tonight that you'll be hungry again. Put your hand up. Yeah, we're always hungry. You know, our body needs food to survive in an ongoing way and hunger is the way that our body tells us that we need more food to satisfy the needs of our body. And depending on how much energy we're expending and depending on how much our body is growing as to how much food we actually need. So, you know, when I was 16, you know, every single morning and every afternoon, as soon as I got home from school, I would eat a whole row of wheat bix I would just put a whole row straight in the bowl, about a litre of full cream milk, half a kilo of brown sugar, and I, I would just uh, uh, wolf it down, and then I would follow it up with uh, six pieces of uh, white toast with jam and thick whipped cream. Every morning, every afternoon, I love jam and cream on toast. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I do. And... Uh, Every morning, every afternoon, and then I'd go to sleep in the afternoon and I'd wake up and eat whatever mum gave me for dinner. Because when I was 16, I grew from being five foot four to six foot two in the space of seven months. I just couldn't get enough food. My body just needed more and more food. But fast forward 10 years, you know, when I was uh, 26, I... Uh, my body had stopped growing, but I was still expending a fair bit of energy, playing, playing a, a lot of foot, footy. And so in the morning, I would eat four wheat bix with, uh, with skim milk, and uh, I'd have two pieces of toast with jam and whipped cream on the weekends. Because my body didn't have the same needs, and, and, and so my hunger had reduced somewhat. You fast forward another 20 years, and I, I'm now 46, and uh, I'm not expending as much energy uh, as I was, and my body isn't growing anymore, although I was down in Sydney for my dad's 70th birthday a couple of weeks ago, and all of his old 70-year-old friends came up to me and said, boy, you've grown. And I looked at them and I said, I'm 46. <laughs> you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't grown for 25 years. It's just that all you old people are shrinking. <laughs> and, and, and they are. That's what happens as you get really old. You start to, to shrink and your hunger shrinks as your body starts growing. So now I'm 46. Every morning I eat one and a half wheat bix with skim milk and just a little bit of fruit occasionally. And on my birthday, once a year, I have one piece of toast <laughs> with jam and whipped cream. You see, as, we, as our body stops growing, our hunger 
reduces. But in every season, we still need food to sustain our bodies. We, we still get hungry. And when we get hungry, our, our stomach starts grumbling and it actually tells us that we need food in our stomachs. And when our stomach starts grumbling, and some of you know this really, really well, particularly if you've got kids in the back seat of the car, if your stomach starts grumbling, it won't be long before your mouth starts grumbling. You start saying things like, I'm starving. You know, if I don't eat soon, I'm going to starve to death. You know, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse and chase the jockey. You know, I am starving here. You know, I, I need to eat and I need to eat soon. In this salvation series, you know, we've been going through, we, we've seen, you know, the exodus of Israel. We've seen the way that God has saved the, uh, the people of Israel from slavery and he's provided for them along the way. You know, he provided for them a leader to go and speak to Pharaoh on their behalf and then when Pharaoh wouldn't listen to that leader, he provided plagues that would come over the land to get Pharaoh's attention and then when Pharaoh still wouldn't uh, let them go, he, he provided uh, a, a plague of death to come over but he provided for the people of Israel. He said, if you just put uh, the, the blood of a lamb over your doorpost, I'll provide for you and I will save you from death. And Pharaoh finally let them go and they get to the edge of the Red Sea and they look like they're about to die again and God provided for them a mighty wind that blew back the waters and enabled them to walk across on dry ground uh, and, and towards the promised land. They've seen God's provision to save them over these, these last you know, few years, but they're now a month into their journey. They're a month out of Egypt, all right? And all of their food that they carried with them, all of their supplies that they took on their back have now run out and they've got nothing to eat and their stomachs are grumbling and they're in the desert and when your stomach starts grumbling, very soon your mouth starts grumbling. And this is what's happening in Exodus chapter 16. The children of Israel are acting like children and they start grumbling. It says this, if you've got your Bible, Exodus 16 verse 1, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They're like kids in the back seat of the car. They're going, I'm starving here. If I don't eat soon, I'm going to die. I'm desperate for McDonald's, for anything. I want food now. Now, thankfully, there's a father in heaven that's a little more gracious than I at times was as a father in that situation, and maybe you've been as a father in this, that situation. And so if you just turn over, verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and they're to gather enough for that day. 
In this way, I'll test them and see whether they'll follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they'll prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And if we just skip down to verse 11, it says, The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you'll eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you'll know that I am the Lord your God. You see, what we see here is a God who continues to provide. He's a God who provides for the needs of those that he saves. And he's a God who satisfies our hunger. You see, God provides bread to satisfy your hunger every day. Out in in the, in the desert when they had nothing and they were absolutely desperate, God provided bread to satisfy their hunger, to fill them. And he provided it every day because bread doesn't last long. You know, we, we know this. So I, I certainly learnt this at a, at a very young age. My, my mum is a, a wonderful mum and she's a, she's a great cook, but she was absolutely useless at making sandwiches for school. Now, some of you, some of you will, will kind of uh, remember what this is like. We, before Audi existed, mum used to buy the thinnest, white, cheapest sliced bread you could possibly buy, right? And then she would just get a piece of Devon and put it between the bread and then just squirt tomato sauce all over it, put it back together, wrap it up in cling wrap, chuck it in my lunchbox, sat in the hot sun all day, and the, the sauce would just ooze through the bread and it would all be dry and crusty. Who remembers eating sandwiches like that at school? I still can't eat Devon and tomato sauce sandwiches. Disgusting. But my mum went an extra step, all right? I bet you no one had this experience. My, her other favourite when she got sick of Devon and tomato sauce was beetroot and onion. <laughs> Come on, put your hand up if you had beetroot and onion sandwiches. Ah, oh, bless you, my brother. Come on, we'll pray together later. My dad, to this day, still eats beetroot and onion sandwiches. He loves them. Mum thought us kids loved them too. We hated them. Anyway, I don't know what was wrong with me as a child, but I, I would look at those sandwiches in my bag and I just couldn't bring myself to eat them. But for some reason or other, I don't know if it was out of respect to my mum, I couldn't throw them out either. So I just left them in my bag. Anyone else have a kid like that? Oh, what is, what is wrong with kids like that? Anyway, I, I do this for months until I couldn't fit any school books in my bag because I had so many sandwiches piled up. And the bread went so mouldy with all that beetroot and tomato sauce that the school bag, would, the bottom of it, would just fall out. You know, bread doesn't last long. Bread only lasts for a day. That's why I got all of this for free. They were chucking it out at the end of the day. You don't want to eat it. It's all stale. And that's why God's providing bread here, because He wants them. He wants them to learn to trust Him every single day. He wants them to learn that every day I'm going to provide for you, because what I provide for you will only last for a day. And He says, I'm going to provide enough for you that you'll be filled, your hunger will be satisfied. And that's what bread does. I mean, if you go to an all-you-can-eat restaurant and they've got all beautiful meats and seafoods and stuff, what's the rookie mistake you never, ever do? 
you never eat the bread because the bread will fill you up and you won't get to enjoy all the good stuff. You see, bread fills us, but this, this lesson out here in the desert is not a lesson so much about use-by dates and what not to eat at an all-you-can-eat restaurant. But but it's a lesson on trusting God to provide, to satisfy our hunger. And it's not just that God is a God who wants to satisfy our physical hunger, but he's a God who satisfies our spiritual hunger. And in this moment, he's actually wanting to show them how he can do both. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, when, uh, when Moses is reflecting on this moment, out, when they're now in the promised land and they're reflecting on this moment in the desert, he writes this, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you. Listen to what he's doing. He's not just feeding their physical hunger by giving them bread, but he says it was to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, our stomach gets hungry, and so we eat to satisfy our hunger. But God is wanting them to listen to him and to listen to his instructions every day because it's actually his word that satisfies our spiritual hunger. When God speaks to us, he satisfies our spiritual hunger. And and so, you know, we the problem is, and this is the temptation that we face, is that we we kind of are real, our physical hunger is really obvious. Our stomach starts grumbling. We need to eat. Our spiritual hunger isn't so obvious. You say there's this hunger in us for more, and so what we're tempted to do is actually to try and fulfil our spiritual hunger with more physical stuff. And so we we think that more food, more alcohol, more money, more sex, more stuff, more status is actually going to satisfy this need that's within us. And so we're constantly tempted to think that if I've just got more physical things that that I can claim for myself or I can fill myself with in some way, then I'm going to be satisfied. The problem is it will never, ever be enough because you're designed spiritually to only be fed by the Word of God. The only way that your spiritual hunger can be satisfied is if you are fed by the Word of God. Jesus knows this. So when he's, uh, he's out in the desert, the beginning of his ministry, it says the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert and he's tempted for 40 days in the desert and he's fasting for 40 days, going without food for 40 days. And at the end of that time, it says Jesus was hungry. Well, no kidding. He's in the desert and he hasn't eaten for 40 days. And the devil comes to him and tempts him in the same way we get tempted all the time. The devil says, turn those rocks into bread to satisfy your hunger. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus, in the midst of his challenge, has learnt to actually feed on the word of God. In the midst of the challenges that he faces, to be satisfied spiritually on what his father is saying to him. You see, God provides bread for us every day to satisfy our physical hunger 
and to satisfy our spiritual hunger. This is an incredible provision. The Word of God. It's an incredible provision that God has given us to feed us spiritually. We've just got to choose to feed on it every day. It's not a once in a week kind of thing. If you only ate food once a week, you'd be hungry. God tells us to feed on his word every day. I want to ask you this morning, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for the word of God? Because God will feed you from this every day, but you've got to read it every day. God provides bread to satisfy your hunger every day and uh, God provides bread to sustain you in every season. Let's just keep reading uh, through uh, chapter 16. I'll just read from verse 13. It says, That evening quail came and covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. God promised to provide bread to, to fill uh, their stomachs. And as usual, God was faithful to his word. And they go out in the morning, there's this frosty stuff, you know, all over the desert floor. And they literally look at it and go, what is it? And that's what manna means. A lot of people would think that manna actually means bread because manna has become synonymous with bread. But manna is, if you translate the Hebrew word, it simply means, what is it? We've never seen this before. What is it? And God provided manna for them to eat for 40 years in the desert, but they never, ever ate it again. Because God provided for them in a new way once they reached the promised land and they had soil and farms and he sent rain from heaven. They had fertile valleys. He provided a different type of bread into the future. But in this season, manna kept them alive for 40 years. And you see, there's a word that God has to sustain you in this season. And it may not be the same word it comes from the same word, but it may not be the same word that sustained you in the last season. You see, we, we eat different bread in different places in different seasons. When we're in France, we eat French bread. When we're in Lebanon, we eat Lebanese. Come on, get with the program. We eat Lebanese bread. You know, when, uh, when we're in times of, of need, we eat Audi, $1 bread. <laughs> you know, when, when we're in, you know, times of plenty, you know, we eat fancy ciabatta bread. You know, when we're hungry on Boxing Day, we eat hot cross buns because <laughs> the shops are full of them. You know, when we're, uh, when we're, when we're gluten intolerant, you know, we eat the cardboard box the bread came in because it's tastier and cheaper than gluten-free bread. But different places, different places and different seasons, we eat different bread. And you see, this is the good thing about God. He's actually got something to feed you and sustain you in this season. 
In Psalm 23, it's a, it's a uh, psalm we read at funerals, but it's actually a psalm for the living, not the dead. And he says, I prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. It's this picture of a guy who's walking through the scariest time in his life, the valley of the shadow of death. There's an enemy coming against him. There's challenges that he's, he's never seen before. And God says, in this season, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to feed you to sustain you in this season. Can I encourage you? God's got a word for you in this season. Whatever you're going through right now, you might be kind of grappling with what, what you're supposed to do. You're kind of wondering whether you've got the strength to get through this season. I want to challenge you. God's got a word for you in this season. Are you hungry for the word of God in this season? I tell you, I tell you how you know you're really hungry. When you're really hungry for a breakthrough, when you're really hungry to see God work in a miraculous way, you're really hungry to hear the word of God, you know what people have done right throughout history who trusted God? They actually put aside their physical hunger to listen to what God had to say to them. They fasted. You look right throughout history, right throughout the Bible. When there was a time, whether it was an individual or a nation, they were facing an incredible challenge and they didn't know what to do or they knew that their only way through was God, they fasted. They said, my stomach is not going to be king in this season, but God, you're going to be king. And I'm going to put aside this very simple physical need that I have for a time until I hear what you've got to say to me, until I see the breakthrough happen. I tell you, there's nothing fun about fasting. I love food. I love eating. I hate fasting. But I see God break through all the time. I had, uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm fasting uh, on, on Tuesdays. I fasted last Tuesday. I'm going to fast this Tuesday because as a church, we're at a point where I believe God's calling us to take some risky steps of faith into the future. And I want to hear God's voice in this season. I know only God can do this. Only God can see the vision that he's given us become a reality. And so for just a, a short time each week, I'm saying, God, I'm going to put aside my physical needs because I want to hear you more than anything else in my life. I want to ask you this morning, whatever is the challenge that you're facing, whatever's coming against you, are you hungry for the word of God in this season? Because God's got a word for you. If you're hungry to see a breakthrough, to see God do what only he can do, it may be that God's calling you to fast in this season. You see, God provides bread to satisfy our hunger. God provides, you know, bread to sustain us in every season. And uh, God provides bread to be shared with everyone. Read down to verse, uh, verse 16. It says, uh, this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Really important principle here. The bread that God provided was to be shared with everyone. 
It, it was to be shared with people who had lots of faith and people who had little faith. It was to be shared with people who were grumbling a lot and people who hadn't grumbled yet. The whole community were to be blessed. The whole nation was to have enough. God wanted everyone to receive His provision. And so this is what I want to encourage you with this morning. Whatever word you've received from God in the past, whatever you know is true about God, however God has blessed you in the past, it's for you to enjoy because God loves giving good gifts to His kids, but it's for you to share with others. You see, there's nothing that God's spoken to you. There's no truth that you've received about God that is simply just for you to enjoy. It's always for you to share with others and to bless others. And you see, there'll be people in this room today and there'll be people in your workplace. There'll be people wherever God takes you during this week who don't yet understand what you understand about God. And some, there's things that you take for granted. There are things that you understand about God. You think everyone understands. It's not true. It's simply not true. And God's calling you to share it with someone else so that they get blessed as well. Because it's for everyone. That's why we're sharing our stories of salvation this year. Because we're just wanting everyone to get blessed by what Jesus has done in our lives because it's not just for us to hold on to. In fact, if we did hold on to what we knew was true about God, it would be selfish. It would. It'd be selfish. There are words of life that God has given you that are for you to enjoy and they're for you to share with others. And I'll guarantee, if you ask God this morning, God, who is it that needs to be encouraged, who is it that needs to hear this word, he'll show you someone here in this room this morning. I've seen it happen time and time again. But you've got to trust that the word that God's given you is to bless somebody else as well as it's blessed you. Pray a little prayer. God, who do you want me to notice here this morning? Who do you want me to notice at work that needs to receive this word that I've already received for myself? And secondly, the wealth that we've received is for us to enjoy and for us to share with others. You see, this, that verse I just read in Exodus 16, verse 18, Paul actually quotes it when he's speaking to a church just like us in Corinth. And he's encouraging them to, uh, to give of their wealth so that other people in other places can be fed physically and spiritually. He's saying people are going without food and people are going without the word of life. I want you to give this offering and so my ministry can continue that will feed people physically and spiritually. And he points back to this time of provision in the desert and he quotes Exodus 16 verse 18 and says, just like in the desert, God provided enough so that everyone got blessed. That's the heart of God. And so God has given you wealth for you to enjoy and for you to share with others so that others get blessed, so that others are fed physically and spiritually. Throughout Scripture, this is going to be just a little bit challenging for a moment, but stay with me. Throughout Scripture, God called His people to give a tithe, to give 10% of what He'd given them back to Him. In the Old Testament, it was, it was to go to the temple so that, you know, God's word could continue to be proclaimed. They could be a light to the nations. And people would also be, they'd be fed spiritually, but also physically. Right, right throughout history, 
Can I just, just give you a little picture of that today? Just, just imagine that you know, you know, bread's become synonymous with, with money in our culture. Even in our secular culture, people talk about you know, the bread that they've earned. Just imagine this is your bread. I've made sure there's about 100 pieces of bread on this table. And if God says we're to give 10%, that's 10 bits of bread that we give to God. I think I've got one more. I was given a skinny tithe there for a minute. Um, just what do, you, what do you notice? What do you notice when you look at this picture, you're giving your tithe to God, what do you notice about what's left? Come on, speak it. There's a lot left. That's a lot of bread. What would you say to a person who said, you know what, I, um, I don't think I've got enough bread left for myself. I, I'm actually going to keep three more bits for me and I'm just going to give seven to God because I want more bread for me. What would we call a person that might do that? Greedy? Maybe greedy. What about a person who said, you know, actually, God, I know you gave me this body. I know you gave me a mind to be able to, you know, make money and to, to have a job. And I know you gave me soil that uh, would grow crops and you sent rain from heaven to grow those crops. But I worked really, really hard for this bread. And so I don't want to give you know, a whole tithe back to you. So I'm going to keep two more just skinny pieces of bread, you know, for me. What would we call a person that would think like that? I'd say ungrateful. Others said stingy. Ungrateful. When God's been so good to us. Now, what about the person who says, you know, uh, who actually makes so many commitments for their future? They buy so many big screen TVs and, and houses and fancy cars and, and they've got so many commitments for their bread that before they've even baked their bread, they owe 95% of it to somebody else. Therefore, they can't give it to God and therefore they need to keep two more bits of bread for themselves. What would we call that? person we might call them foolish that'd be a pretty foolish way to live what about last one what about the person who said God I've received from you I'm just looking forward to heaven where I get to hang out with you forever and I don't really care whether anybody else gets to hear your words of life and so I'm safe in heaven doesn't matter how much I give, that doesn't get me to heaven. Your grace is enough for me. So I'm just going to keep another half a bit of bread for myself and I'm going to give you two and a half bits of bread. What would we call that person? I'd call them selfish. Now the reality is, this is the picture of the church in Australia today. Across not just a gateway, across the church in Australia, Bible-believing Christians, whether it's for those four reasons I just gave or whether there's other reasons, we're giving 2.5% of what God's given us back to Him. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, when Paul is quoting Exodus chapter 16, 
He says, you know when you lived under the law and you were required to give 10% and you were required to speak like this, you were required to worship like this. Now that you're under grace, I see that you're excelling in your faith, you're excelling in your speech, you're excelling in your worship. I want you to excel in your giving. Don't give less than what you gave under the law. Can I just encourage you, challenge you maybe this morning that whatever words you've received from God, they are for you to enjoy and for you to share with others and whatever wealth you've received from God is for you to enjoy and it's for you to share with others so that others come to hear his words of life. I tell you, if the church in Australia is gonna reach our community for Jesus, we need to be a church that's spiritually strong. We're feeding on his word every day because there are big challenges out there. We need to be a church who's relationally strong. We're looking around every week. How can I build someone else up? How can I share what God has given me with somebody else? How can I love one another as Christ has loved me? We also need to be financially strong. If we're going to lead the ministries like the kids and youth ministry, the man he's talked about already this morning that we have here, if we're going to lead ministries that are going to reach people in our community, we need to be financially strong. I want to ask you this morning, are you hungry for others to come to know God? You see, when you're hungry for God yourself, you'll be feeding on his word. When you're hungry for, for that word in season to see a breakthrough happen, you'll be on your knees in prayer and there'll be times that God calls you to fast. Uh, when you're hungry for, to see others come to know God, to see the 92% of Australia that aren't sitting in church this morning come to know Jesus, you'll be generous in giving away the words that you've received from God and the wealth that you've received from God. I need to hurry up really quickly and get to the end of this. So the last two points I'm going to do really quickly. God provides bread so you can worship every week. In verse 19 and 20, we see God provided double on, uh, on the sixth day so they didn't have to work on the seventh day. God's still doing that. He's providing enough so that we don't have to work every single day of the week. It's just that we've chosen rather than to use that as a day of rest and a day for family and a day to worship God, we've decided to fill it with a whole bunch of other things. And so if you go back 30 years, everyone who was a follower of Jesus would be in church nearly every week. Today it's half. We're here 50% of the time. If you go back 2,000 years, we see the early church was so hungry for God, they met together every day. And even Jesus, when he walked on earth, it says it was his custom on the Sabbath to actually be in the presence of God with the people of God. Are you hungry for the presence of God? You're hungry to be together with the people of God and to encourage one another. God provides bread so you can worship every week. And God, lastly, God provides bread that will save you forever in a day. Right at the end of Exodus chapter 16, verses 31 to 35, it says, you know, I want you to uh, take an omer of this manna and I want you to put it in the covenant, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments as a reminder that I provided for you in the desert. I never want you to forget that I'm a God who provides. And they didn't forget. 1,500 years later, the ancestors of these very people have just seen Jesus perform a really similar miracle. 
He'd, he'd, he'd multiplied bread and fish to feed hungry people. And they come following after him. And, and Jesus, you'd think, would be really happy that people started to, to follow him. But he says to them, you know, you're only following me because I've given you bread and your stomachs are full and you want more, not because you want to get to know me more. And he gives them this warning. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. He says, I want you to be hungry for the food that I give you. And then they say, yeah, we'd like that. And Jesus says to them, very very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it was my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. God provided manna for the Israelites for 40 years to satisfy their their physical hunger and to teach them that he could satisfy their spiritual hunger. And Jesus came to earth to satisfy our hunger forever. He says, you can just go through life grumbling and grappling for more and more stuff, hoping hoping that eventually you'll be satisfied, hoping that eventually your, your spiritual hunger will be satisfied. But he says, I have come down from heaven myself. He says, I am the bread of life that truly satisfies he says, I, I, am the, I am the one who can actually satisfy your greatest need and that is to be connected with God. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he, he set, when, when, when the sins that once separated us from God, He took them on Himself on the cross and so that we could be reconnected with God. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, the sin that once separated us from God is done away with and we're reconnected with our heavenly Father who wants to feed us every day. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. We sung about it this morning already. Death could not hold Him down. On the third day, He rose from the dead and He's alive today. I hope you realise, people, we do not worship a dead God. We worship an alive God. Jesus is on His throne today. And He's got a word for you today. And He wants to, through His resurrection, through because He's alive today, He has a living word for you today. He has something to breathe life into you today, to give you life and strength today. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. As long as you keep coming to Me, you'll never be spiritually hungry again. I'm making a way not just to feed you for 40 years, but to feed you for all of eternity, to satisfy your spiritual hunger for all eternity. It's a good deal. Will you come to Jesus and receive what He has for you today? I wanna give you an opportunity firstly, if you're here and you're still grumbling and grappling for more stuff, hoping that it's gonna satisfy your needs, and you haven't yet asked Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of your life to come and satisfy your spiritual hunger, I'd love to just pray a prayer with you this morning that just chooses today to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who can satisfy your spiritual hunger. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads.
And if today you'd simply say, I'm sick of grumbling and grappling for more. Today, I want Jesus. I want Jesus to come into my life and to feed me spiritually. I'd love to just pray a prayer with you this morning. Anyone here this morning, just say, that's you. Today, you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Maybe you've never done that before or you did it a really long time ago and you've been chasing after other things in this world. If that's you today and today's your day to say yes to Jesus, just stick your hand up just where I can see it just for a moment. I reckon there's someone here today. Today is your day. Just with every eyes closed, just stick your hand up and say, that's me. That's me today. I want to pray that prayer. I want Jesus in my life today. Anyone here today? That's cool. Hey, God, would you just, this morning, would you just stir up a hunger in us? God, a hunger for you. God, a hunger for your word. God, a hunger, a hunger to hear your word in this season. God, a hunger for others to come to know you. God, a hunger, a hunger to see you at work in this church, just pouring out your love and your grace in fresh ways. God, stir up a hunger for your presence in this place, that we would hunger, like Jesus said, we would be people that hunger and thirst for righteousness and we would be filled by you. God, stir up a hunger within us, I pray. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Let's jump on our feet this morning. We're going we're gonna to really kind of sing a prayer as we finish. And it is a prayer that just says, God, I'm hungry for you. God, I'm desperate for you. I, I just wonder if it's some of us here this morning have been, you know, just challenged from God's Word this morning. And He's just stirring up a new hunger in you, a hunger for His Word, a hunger for, in prayer, you know, a hunger to, to share what God has given you with others, to see others, to come to know Him. I'd just love to pray for a bunch of you this morning. If God's just stirring up a hunger in you, a hunger for His presence, a hunger for His people to come home, a hunger to be fed from His Word. I'd just love to pray over you this morning. Just as we sing this prayer, just come to the front. I'm going to get a bunch of people just to gather around you. We're going to pray for you. God, just stir up a hunger for His presence in your heart this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.